You are now tuned in to With Love J Podcast. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of With Love J Podcast. I am your host, Jay Agape. If this is your first time tuning into this podcast, then I welcome you with open arms and I encourage you to stick around for a spiritual snack here today. And if you're a returning listener, then as always, thank you so much in advance for all of your support. I really do appreciate your loyal listenership. All throughout the Bible, Jesus spoke in parables when he was teaching amongst the many multitudes throughout the nations. When I was younger and before I came into the body of Christ, I always said to myself, the Bible is so hard to understand. With all of the ye's, these, their forts and thou's, it almost seemed like the Bible was only made for those who existed in a time before my own. At least that's what I thought. I would say things like, If the Bible was meant for everyone to understand, then why is it so hard to interpret? And why does it seem like Jesus always spoke in this special code or this special language? Well, that's because he did. Anytime the gospel was professed, whether it was by Jesus, Paul, or any of the other faithful disciples and apostles, they would always seal their words with, If any man hath ears to hear, let him hear. At first thought, someone who didn't truly understand the gospel would say, well, everyone has ears literally, so of course they can hear. But the ears that you hear from when you hear the gospel are not the physical ears. Even the eyes that we are to see the world and God through are not the physical eyes. God does not deal with what is carnal. God does not deal with our flesh. He deals with our spirit because he is the spirit. When you read Bible verses that say, he that hath ears to hear and eyes to see, the ears and the eyes are spiritual eyes. The Holy Spirit revealed to me that the Bible is not meant for everybody. The Bible is meant for those who are able to hear the calling of the Lord's voice. The Bible is meant for those whose hearts are willing to be convicted by it because that's what the Bible does. It renders conviction in your spirit. Anytime you open the word of God, your heart should be pricked and that prick should bring forth change, repentance, Those who don't have that desire to be changed into the image of God, or maybe to those who are dealing with severe strongholds that Satan has over their lives, may find it hard to understand the gospel. This is why the Pharisees and the scribes and the high priests never understood Jesus' teachings. They would always say things like, this man is mad, or surely this man has a devil. Because the only thing that made sense to them is what they were able to physically see. Their hearts were too hardened to receive the word of God. They focused too hard on trying to understand the physicality of Jesus and not the spirituality. 
They would be so marveled and so confused at how Jesus was able to defy nature through his healing and his miracles because their hearts only understood the natural and not the spiritual. They did not have ears, spiritual ears, to hear, nor spiritual eyes to see. I want to present this question to you. On what ground has the seed been sown in your life? I was doing some reading in the Gospels, and I found myself in Mark chapter 4. If you've never read Mark chapter 4, I highly encourage you to do so because Christ spoke some convicting words, as he always does, on the parable of the sower. So just to set the tone, Jesus is teaching the gospel to a multitude of people who have followed him to the seaside. He's also accompanied by the 12 disciples that he had appointed to be his chosen Mark chapter 4, verse 2, starts off by saying, And he taught them many things by parables. So already, the Bible gave us a clear distinction that this message that Christ is about to deliver is only going to enter into the ears of those who are able to truly receive him. So he goes on to teach the parable of the sower. He uses four different examples of what happens after the seed is sown, depending on the environment that it's sown in. So in his first example, he says that the sower, which is someone who is planting a seed, went out to sow. And it came to pass that as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it up. In the second example, he says that some seed fell on stony ground where there was not much soil and immediately they sprang up because there was not much depth to the earth where it was sown. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root and it withered away. In the third example, He says that some seed fell among the thorns of the ground, but the thorns grew up and choked the seed and it yielded no fruit. And in the fourth and last example of this parable, he says that the other seeds fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased. And some brought forth 30 60 and a hundredfold. And then right at the end of that parable, he says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So the Bible then says in verse 10, that when Jesus was alone, a few came to him asking about the parable that he had just spoken. The Bible doesn't say who specifically had questions But my gut leads me to believe that one of those people may have been Judas, just because we all know the role that he that he played with Christ. But they asked him about his parable and he tells them that it has been bestowed onto them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those outside, 
his words are spoken in parables, that seeing they may see but not perceive, and hearing they may hear but not understand, lest, which means something may prevent them at any time from being converted, and their sin should be forgiven of them. I could only imagine how they were looking at him with concern and confusion because Christ goes on to say, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all other parables? And this is how he breaks it down. He says that the sower sows the word of God. The sower sows the word of God. Those who are by the wayside or outside of the fruitfulness of the Lord are those where the word of God was heard. But when they heard the word, Satan came immediately and took away the word that was sown into their hearts. Now, the placement of this parable in the Bible is remarkable because in the previous chapter, In chapter 3, verse 27, Christ says that no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless he first binds that strong man and then spoils his whole house. Now, that's a separate message in itself, but I find it remarkable that this verse was placed so strategically, almost as if on purpose, to give more context to what it means to have Satan immediately come and take the word away of which was sown in their heart. We all have strongholds that we need deliverance from no matter what it is. They can be depression. It can be anxiety. It can be sexual immorality. It can be lust. It can be greed. It can be hate. It can be feelings of unworthiness, feelings of doubt, Some strongholds we have acquired from childhood through childhood trauma and some strongholds manifest themselves through life and sin. The stronghold is what binds your hands behind your back in the spiritual world and prevents you from reaching your maximum potential in Christ. But just like Mark 3, 27 says, No man can enter into a strong man's house unless he first binds that strong man, then spoils his goods. That is Satan's job directly. The only way Satan has authority in your life is if he first binds you. He has to put a sock and tape over your mouth so you can't cry out to God. He takes away the desire to even want to seek help. He makes you feel that it's okay to live in your mess. He takes away your ability to feel. He has to put a bandana over your eyes to blind you so you don't seek the Lord or search for the greater mysteries of God. By binding you, he spoils you. Your spirit begins to rot. Your life becomes infertile unproductive you experience spiritual death and later die in your sins and he has then won 
He has to chain you up with so many strongholds that by the time you do hear the word of God, your heart is so hardened that if anything good falls in your life, including the word of God, he immediately snatches it away. So it is never planted. Just like the parable that Christ spoke. But Christ goes on to explain the second example. Those who are sown on stony ground are those who have heard the word and immediately receive it with gladness. But because there is no depth in the foundation in which it was sown, there is no root and they only endure for but a while. And afterward, when the sun scorches, when affliction and persecution enter their life for the word's sake, they become scorched by their afflictions until they wither away and die. Now, if this example doesn't foreshadow the times that we're currently living in, then I don't know what does. I understand this example of this parable 2000% because I'm a plant mom. And if you're a plant mom, then you know how physically it is very possible for a seed to sprout out of just about any living condition. I remember my very first time growing tomatoes. I put some tomato seeds into this itty bitty little pot with some recycled soil that came from like three different places. There was pebbles, there were rocks, clay, a whole bunch of junk just blended in. I had no idea if that tomato plant was going to grow or not. I said, if it does, it does. But if it doesn't, then I won't be mad. But I was shocked to see that only after about a week or two, my tomato plant was growing. I was super excited, right? Well, the time came for me to repot it because I wanted to give it more room to grow. But when I took it out of the soil that it was growing in, the roots were not strong enough to support its life in a new pot. So when I would water it and put it out into the sun, there were no nutrients actually being absorbed through the roots because they were too weak and it couldn't endure its new living condition outside. And it ended up withering away and dying. So this parable makes perfect sense to me. This example reminds me of what I call superficial Christians. The type of people who receive a good word on Sundays and Wednesdays at fellowship service. They cry on the altar call and go about telling everyone how much God has done in their lives. You know, really appearing to be doing the work of the Lord. You can quote scriptures like they know the back of their hand. But when the true trials and afflictions come, like Christ said, when the sun gets to scorching a little too hot in their life, they fold. When it's time to do a little suffering for the sake of the Lord, that pressure gets too hard and they cave. When family and friends start ridiculing them and isolating them for their relationship with God, they can't handle it. When it's time to lose some worldly attachments for the sake of the Lord, like their job, their home, their comfort, those afflictions get to be too much and they can't take it. 
They can't handle it. And the Lord says it's because they have no root. Even though the word of God was sown into their life and they appeared to be strong in the Lord, it only lasted for a season, a couple of days, a couple of months, a couple of years. Because the word of God never took root in their life. Though they heard, they never made it their foundation. The word was good, but their heart was in the wrong condition. The root is the source. It's where the nutrients and the life come from. So therefore, without taking strong roots, it dies. I see this so often. There's people that I once turned to for inspiration. I say, man, what happened to them? They used to be so on fire. But the scorch of life got to them. One thing this pandemic has done and will continue to do is reveal the true nature of your relationship with God. It's going to reveal just how the seed was sown, not only in your life, but also in the lives of others around you. So in the third example of this parable, Christ describes those who are sown among the thorns. And this one here is spot on the money for a vast majority of the world. Christ says that these are they who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. These are they who hear God's word, know right from wrong, but the voice of Satan is whispering louder than the voice of God in their life. Their eyes and the lust of the world within it seem more promising than what God has promised eternally. The money, the large bank accounts, the multi-million dollar businesses, the exotic trips across, across the country, the jewelry, the diamonds, the gold, the luxury homes, the luxury cars, the love of women, the love of men, the nightlife, the expensive designer labels, the promise of worldly riches rather than the promise of eternal life takes priority in their life. They can't give up their life in the world because it's just too addicting. It fulfills their lust and their heart's desires. Their eyes have become too fixed on the world and it chokes the word of God. Then there are those who neglect the word of God because they have too many cares and worries of this world. How will I make money? How will I support my family? How will I live? What will I do? I've got to make it happen. Where am I going to go? They put themselves in bondage by trying to keep up with what the world tells them they need to have instead of listening to what God tells them they need. They make life about how they will make it happen instead of trusting in God to make it happen. The cares of the world chokes the word of God. Even though they hear it, it does not convict them. 
those chasing after the lust of the world hear the word, but their hearts are not pierced. The desires of the world outweighs the truth of the gospel and it becomes unfruitful. They know that obeying the word of God is going to convict them to give up their high salary career that they've been having, being a nightclub DJ, DJ, selling drugs, selling alcohol, working as a bartender, exotic dancing, owning a liquor business, owning a marijuana business, so many variations that contradict the word of God. These are just some examples. They know that obeying the word of God will cause them to leave behind everything that they gained in the world. And they just can't. We even see this in a lot of mega churches where it seems that the most important priority is funding the pastor's lifestyle, private jets, mansions, owning multiple homes, multiple luxury vehicles. But the product of the pastor is not as fruitful as the product of the money. It bears no fruit. Very little work is actually done for the Lord versus for themselves. There are many leaders who lead the fellowship festivities, who bear the very seed and the very soil that Christ spoke of in this parable. And for the last and fourth example of the parable of the sower is where all followers of Christ should desire to be sown And that is on good ground. He says in Mark chapter 4 verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Such as hear the word. And receive it. And bring forth fruit. Some thirtyfold. Some sixty. And some a hundred. Those who hear the word of God. Receive it in their heart. And respond to the call are those who bring forth spiritual fruit because their soil is good, it's fertile. Meaning their hearts now belong to the Lord. The word fruit means to produce. Fruit is nothing but a byproduct of the tree in which it was grown. So if Christ is the root of those who receive him in their hearts, then the product or the fruit of which that tree was planted is going to be the fruits of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Making the word of God the root in your life is what brings forth spiritual fruit. And that fruit then bears more fruit until the body of Christ is multiplied. When you hear the word of God, it's supposed to do something to you. The Bible says that their hearts were pricked. It should sting you. The word of God is alive. When you open the word of God, the spirit of the Lord is what speaks to you. It speaks to your sin. It speaks to your exact situation. And when you have a calling on your life, it brings forth conviction. 
that conviction is what makes you realize I've been doing this all wrong. And as long as I'm on the wrong path, I'm headed for destruction. When that conviction hits you, it's supposed to bring forth repentance. Repentance is doing a pivot away from your sin. It's a complete 180, going in the opposite direction of the path that you've always walked in. If you die in your sin, there is no life after death. Christ says, for eternity you shall burn. Today is not promised. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. There are some people who are gambling with their salvation. You know what you need to be doing, but you keep putting it off and saying, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start next month or at the beginning of the year. But understand this, the next hour of your life is not guaranteed. You can walk out of your home and be struck down. You can be sitting inside of your home and be struck down. And if you die without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and living in his word, then heaven will be a place that you never see. Only torments. This is serious stuff. The Lord says he stands knocking at the door. But it's up to you to let him enter in. These riches here on earth are perishables. These $20 bills and $100 bills and bitcoins that people slave themselves over are perishables. All things must pass away. Even the body you're living in is only guaranteed a maximum lifespan of 80 to 100 years. Then back into the earth you go. But God says the next place I'm taking you You're going to have a glorified body. Your home in heaven is beyond anything that you could ever imagine. No more crying. No more sickness. No more sadness. There won't even be darkness. Only peace. Only joy. Only love. I don't know about you. I want to make heaven my home. So again, I ask you, on what ground has the seed been sown in your life? Thank you for tuning in to With Love J Podcast. Until next time. like to thank each and every last one of you for your support and your listenership because with love j podcast has officially surpassed 1k listeners Woo-hoo! so i want to thank you from the top to the bottom of my heart we are fighting spiritual battles in a spiritual war and in order to fight a war you've got to have the means to build up an army 
With Love J podcast is an independent nonprofit podcast. So if you would like to contribute toward the continuous development of this platform, donations and support are accepted via Cash App using cash tag J Agape. That's J A Y E. A-G-A-P-E. Or you can support using the link in the description, anchor.fm forward slash with love J forward slash support. That's anchor.fm forward slash with love J, J-A-Y-E forward slash support. May you continue to be uplifted and edified through every message on this podcast. Bye.